Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Rock Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Metz. Today, taking a little bit of a break from all the basketball stuff. Look, it's smack dab in the middle of basketball season, and obviously basketball is king here at Kansas. But uh, that doesn't mean that the rest of the world isn't moving along, which includes all of the the fun stuff in the football program. Yes, we, we, we did talk about recruiting classes last week, and I'm sure we'll have more discussions about recruiting classes coming up because, look, football actually is decent and good enough to actually talk about in the offseason. But... Lots of stuff happened over the weekend as you're we getting ready for that Baylor game. Some stuff dropped on Twitter that I thought we needed to talk about, we needed to address here. And, of course, I jumped on a, a Twitter spaces with our guests here today to talk about that. But uh, figured I'd bring that here to the podcast so more people could actually hear it in a recorded fashion so you don't have to have to actually catch it live and talk about the stuff that we've learned. Joining, coming back to the podcast, the uh, KU Woj, the Scoopsmeister himself, it is Mike Vernon. Mike, how you doing today? Let's get Scooby. Yes, I'm let's get well, scoopy I'm, with I'm it. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we're going to get scoopy with this one. All right. So obviously the news that broke, if, if people have not been paying attention, a rumor came out, um, I believe it was Greg Sims that, that tweeted it on Twitter that was talking about, you know, he's hearing that an announcement is coming. Um, he didn't use the word eminently, but that was the phrasing that it like jumped to my mind immediately the way that he phrased it, um, that there's going to be an announcement about a renovation project for Memorial Stadium. Um I know you and I have talked about this. It makes a whole lot of sense. We've been hearing stuff about this as well. Um, and, you know, we had a discussion talking about Big Big Ten potential moves and everything that happened, like, way back then, that an update to the stadium was going to have to happen, that we would probably be hearing something about it in the not-too-distant future. I'm going to be honest. This is a little earlier than I thought. I thought we would be hearing this kind of stuff, like, spring break, like, the week before spring break that they were going to make an announcement. Um, I don't necessarily know that that, that, that timetable is wrong. That was more of a gut feeling on, on my end. But... What were your thoughts about hearing that information and how much did it jive with the things that you've been hearing? Well, it certainly got my attention. And, and I would say my reaction was similar to yours in that, hey, this is huge news. I've been waiting for this to start circulating amongst donors. That's when things would start getting out a little bit like this, like exactly what we saw. I still would be pretty surprised. We're recording this Tuesday night. I don't want to give away your secrets Tuesday night, but I think, uh, you know, Greg almost it seemed to think it would happen this week that there would be an announcement. I have no indications of that. I'm, I could look stupid. It, I, I uh, could it happen? Sure. I don't think so. Um, or, or at least anything detailed. No, what I've been hearing is similar to, again, I think, I think what you had heard 
this is huge news. The stadium is coming. They are going to build a new structure or renovate the structure. The specifics, again, aren't clear. But KU is about to dump a ton of money into its football stadium. That's that's the news. Um, and is, to be honest, going, it's long yeah. overdue. Like we've oh been God. we've been talking about the need to renovate the football stadium since honestly, they've been talking about it since I went to school. <laughs> like that's fifteen right. years ago. Well, <laughs> which which now of- I feel old for having actually said that out loud. But it's one of those, <laughs> like. They've been talking about the need to do it. Yes, the first step was getting the track out from around this, the you know uh, the football field, which was great that they did that. But it, it, you knew it was going to need more work. The question was like, and I think the expectation when they did that, getting the track moved out for Rock Chalk Park, you know, up in the northwest side of Lawrence, was we're going to follow up pretty quickly, probably in the next year or two, with actual renovations of the entire stadium. That was the expectation. And then, of course, all the crap happened in the football program. That caused a lot of issues that really led to the point of like, yeah, donor money doesn't really want to come in to handle this right now. Cause I think a lot of it was confidence in the people that were running the department, like confidence in the ability to get a program put together. Um, you know, the vision that they had for it, like Shane Zinger announced his vision for it. It was talking about like a hundred million dollar renovation. And you just looked at all the things he talked about that they were going to try to put in. It's like, this is going to cost more than a hundred million dollars. Does he actually know what he's doing here? And it came out pretty quickly that, you know, when details were getting shared with donors and with other people that needed to be involved in the process, that it didn't look like they had it together. So they basically got told, hey, go back and figure out what you're doing and then come back to us. And they never did. And so, yeah, it's like it feels like this is has a credible plan. It's well thought out. It's a long time coming. It's way overdue. And, you know, like the whole realignment stuff, I think, accelerated it maybe a little bit more than it was, but I, I honestly don't even think the talk of potentially going to the big 10 accelerated by more than maybe six to eight months. Like they were already talking about it. Goff was, that was one of the things from what I've heard that Goff had acknowledged. And like, they were talking about in his interviews, like they, this is something that was on their mind quite a bit as something that needed to happen. The question always was timing, you know, like getting things to the point where, they were stable enough that people wanted to invest in a football stadium renovation. You know, there, there's a lot to unpack there and we can get into what, what we're hearing about the stadium. Uh, not much, but we can get into yeah. the timelines where, what, what they could do, what they should do. Uh, ultimately the other question I've gotten from a lot of people is why now I'm a little surprised to hear that this was going to happen e- either way. Uh, I'll say that realignment is a really good selling point when you're trying to raise money. And even if it's on the table, or if you have the fear, fear is another good way to raise some money. And I think they're not wrong in saying, if we do not do this, we're going to get left behind. And that is a good way to get a lot of money really quick. And I don't think it's wrong. Uh, I think Gerard sees this as an a university-wide issue. Realignment is touches the whole university. It goes beyond football. And if that is your selling point, if the optics matter that much to the Big Ten, and they do, and, and optics matter, I, it makes sense. Now, perfect storm for KU. You get the right guy in in Travis Goff. You hire the right football coach in Lance Leipold. Seems to be pretty clear uh, that, that at least – uh, at this juncture, they have not made the wrong moves. They still can, 
but they've right. done everything right so far, it appears. Goff is very thorough, and we can talk a little bit about what we've heard there. One, one thing I want to say, Shan Zanger had the right idea. Right. He didn't, I don't think he, the execution we can talk about, but everyone was like, when first? No, Zanger was absolutely right that, hey, we need to fix this because he was there when all of the first realignment stuff happened. Yep. He knew how critical it was to getting this, this done. Couldn't pull it off. Realignment cooled. Jeff Long tried again. He got, he had plans made up. Never saw him. Well, Jeff Long had enough other issues that I don't think he was ever going to get something off the ground because he, um, from what I've heard and well, and honestly, the reason I know anything about any of this stuff is because he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. The minute he walked in the door. (laughs) That's why I Um, know a lot about a lot. Yeah. So like, to be honest, like, you know, again, I'm never going to divulge who I have. Like, I didn't have any kind of inside information, anything like that until Jeff Long got there and people got fed up with the way that he did things. So now it's like, it's like, and, and of course the information that I have is, you know, it's, it's difficult. I'm not a, uh, a formally educated journalist or anything like that. So like, I don't know all the tricks and all that stuff, but you know, it is definitely one of those things where, um, you know, when, when people aren't happy with the situation, that's there, they're, they're more willing to talk about it to people that maybe they, they should or shouldn't. And uh, a lot of times people like in the public and, and, you know, us and those that are trying to inform the people in the public are the beneficiaries. We get to hear about stuff that we normally wouldn't, but I, you know um, you did mention that you were kind of surprised about the fact that this was coming regardless. I think the way it was described to me is there wasn't, there was an expectation that they were going to get to a point where for recruiting purposes, the stadium had to be the next thing. Obviously, the first thing was they had to get the coaching staff fixed. Like it wasn't seen as a critical, you need this to be able to start building the program, but to take it from that, you know, three to four win a season to potentially getting up to right bowl games and getting recruits and potentially trying to compete in the big 12. Like if you wanted to make that next step, you were going to have to renovate the stadium because while all, you know, you have all the player amenities, you have all the locker room, you have all that stuff for the players, you know, where most people actually see them performing is in that stadium. And if, if the players and their families don't like the way that looks, it shouldn't hold as much sway, but it does hold a little bit. And that's kind of the next thing. So it was always a matter of, of when they knew they were going to have to get to it at some point. The question really was, where do you go in the priorities? And now that it's tied into additional priorities and that, you know, benefit the entire university as a whole, it gets bumped up the priority list quite a bit. And I think donors get excited about it too, because like you said, like, realignment if it happens if kansas goes to the big 10 the yes that's a huge bump for them athletically uh in terms of money coming in there but that's an even bigger bump for the university as a whole all that research money as you know being right being part of the big 10 consortium all that stuff there that is gigantic for the university if you can get an invite to the big 10 it's it's huge for the entire university and so yeah a university-wide fundraising goal to get everything up updated including a huge renovation of the stadium makes complete sense to position yourself for that possibility. Read the tea leaves and what they're doing. And and again, none of this guarantees that Kansas actually gets an invite to the Big Ten. Obviously, Kansas is going to go if it comes. The Big Ten is going to have to do something at some point, but they're not, I don't even think they're certain on what their timeline is going to be. And so this isn't even necessarily about it has to get done immediately this minute because the invite is coming once this is done. It's more of a, you need to take this opportunity, this momentum to get these needed renovations done so that you are in a position that when it comes, it makes perfect sense for everybody involved that, that you actually go through with it. I want to, I want to go back to the interview process of Travis Goff. 
in, in actually how connected stadium and realignment are. I just pulled up two tweets I've got. And for a lot of people on fog.net, <laughs> message boards will say like, I'm making stuff up. Well, March 31st, I talked about Travis Goff being a finalist and talked about his qualifications. KU alum, seen a successful po- football program, not a sitting ID, sitting AD as an X. And then the last thing, Big Ten connections for realignment. April 5th, also talk about Travis Goff, five bullet points, the last one. Good Jim Phillips is his mentor, good guy to know for realignment talks. April 5th, March 31st. Realignment, Texas, that stuff all broke in June, July. So a yeah. lot of people I remember on, on Slant or Fog were like, why the hell is this random Vernon guy talking about realignment? The powers that be, the people who brought Travis Goff in, knew this was coming. I don't think they knew the speed of it. Right. Well, and, and we talked about this. part of it from the very beginning. Well, and if you remember, you actually came on the podcast. We actually talked about this, you know, back when all this news broke, that the the surprise on all of the realignment news that was breaking wasn't that it was happening. It was that it was happening then. I think everybody, including KU and most teams in the in the Big 12, fully expected that there was going to be another round of realignment when the next major conference you know, had an opportunity to do it. Like when, when the big 12 grant of rights, like it it was, it was pretty clear, especially after those grant of rights didn't get extended last year, um, like early last year, that there was a good opportunity that come 2025, the big 12 was not going to look the same that it was. And so everybody was making plans for, Hey, we need to put ourselves in a good position when you're, when you're hiring a new athletic director, like, you know, you you hope that they're going to be in place for longer than two years, like Jeff Long was. Um, like so, the expectation is you need to be thinking long term. You need to be prepared for those sort of contingencies. Again, I don't think anybody expected that realignment was going to happen the way that it did, the timing that it did. But you have to prepare for it. And so, putting yourself in a good position with a good candidate that has that qualification that they can help guide you through that process. Like you have to be accounting for that or else you're going to find yourself flat footed and it's going to be an absolute mess. I was talking to people who knew exactly what was happening with this search and they were talking about realignment. Uh, But, but that's the context. The stadium is coming. So I want to know what can, I mean, I'm curious as to if you've heard anything you can share about what what could be in the cards for this stadium can we go there yeah yeah i mean so i think i've shared some of this before i don't remember if i just shared it with you i just hosted on you yeah yeah oh well it's fine no you know what i always say this is more of a conversation than a question and answer period genuinely i yeah (laughs) so no i i I fully i fully support that um but no it's it's one of those things and, and again i don't i honestly don't remember if this is just something you and i have talked about um, or if this is something that I've actually talked about here on the show, maybe with you, um, like the, everything that I've heard is that the preference is to do a renovation, like a deep renovation, potentially even ripping it all the way down to the studs and rebuilding it from the, from the ground up that way. But they love the facade. Donors love the facade. And honestly, I like, I love the look of Memorial Stadium on the outside. It, it's very similar to me, not, not quite as deep of a connection, but my connection to the Kansas football program is that view up on the hill and yeah. walking down to the stadium 
you know, from the parking lot and seeing that structure and just, you know, it's, it's recognizable from wherever you are looking down from the dorms when I, you know, lived in Lawrence in the dorms and just knowing the football stadium was there. And so there is a, there is a connection for a lot of people, donors included, um, not quite as deep as Allen Fieldhouse, but I think it's in a similar sort of vein, you know, just not as big. Um, and so there's a lot of, there's a lot of momentum to keep that right. To keep the facade, as long as the, as long as the outer part of the stadium isn't completely falling apart and crumbling. If it still looks nice, if there's a way to save it, I think a lot of people want to. The question always was going into the process, and this I think speaks to how thorough Goff was. Um, you know, they they evaluated a lot of options. Do they do just a basic renovation to bring everything up to code the way you expect, or you know, do you essentially gut the entire thing, keep the out the outside to keep donors happy, and you know, to to maintain that sense of consistency there, um, and then update everything on the inside. Or do you tear the entire thing down and rebuild from scratch? Like there was three main options that they evaluated. They went through the entire thing. And really, it sounded like the preference from the beginning was, um, you know, complete gutting, renovate, like bring everything all the way up. So it's like a world-class facility. Um, and then potentially like, and then the second one would have been tear it down and rebuild. Like they didn't want to go and do like the surface stuff to just like bring up to code, like fix the bathrooms and that stuff, but keep most of everything else the same because fans don't really care that like, yes, you want a working bathroom. Like you want concessions that are, that are actually good. Um, like all the time, not just half the time. Uh, and so like, it's definitely one of those things like those would have been quality of life improvements, but nobody would have been impressed. And the entire point of doing something like this is to impress people with the new facilities that you have. So, yeah. I think, I think that's exactly right. And I think if that in fact is the solution for KU, it's the best one to me. Do as much as you can at the existing site. It is a great location. Why would you throw away the one good thing that KU has over the last hundred years of football is that hill. It is that setting. So don't throw it away. Keep it. If you can, it is a historic venue but keep as little of it as you can. So, hey, I know this is Memorial Stadium. I know that this is the same same place, but make it as nice as you absolutely can be on that. One thing, one thing I've kind of picked up on, Scoopy Hour. Well, no one knows, okay, no one knows details of what they've gone with. It sounded like at one point they, they thought about like some, some, really incorporating a social element into that area, maybe behind the scoreboard into the Hill. I, I don't exactly know what, I don't know what it could look like, but, but someone on Twitter called like said, I hope they put in like a party porch behind the stadium, behind, you know, the South end zone where the touchdown club was and that, that kind of vibes with at least at one point, something that was kicked around a so, social area using the Hill. Um, using but not blue and what could you do with concert in that space as well it's kind of beautiful for that can it be multi-use can that help ku in a few ways um so that's that is something i i had heard at one point so i hope to see it but i have no idea yeah the the only thing i will say about that is i i know that there would there was because i I actually had heard yeah in terms of incorporating the hill in some fashion into what they're doing but there was a lot of worry about closing anything off. 
So if they do something with the hill to incorporate in the stadium, it would have to be a social area. It'd have to be something that could be open right. to the public. It would have to be something that when they're not using, you know, when, when games aren't happening, that people are still coming and going freely and enjoying and not having to worry about, because you, you can't just walk into the stadium at any time. Like right. it's, it's definitely more open than, than a lot of stadiums. Um, there's a, more opportunities to kind of get in there, but you know, they can't just leave it open to anybody to walk in and out and whenever Dude, they want. tore the goalposts down when the Royals won the World Series. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> it's pretty open in its current state. Well, um, well, 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 well. They did try to go and tear the goalpost down when, uh, you know, Texas. <laughs> that's right, they got denied. <laughs> right, they got denied there. So the security's been stepped up a little bit, but it's also one of those things like they don't want to close that entirely off. They definitely don't want to block that view. Um, like it's already a little bit blocked with the size of the scoreboard for the people that are like down at the bottom of the bowl or stuff like that. But you know, unfortunately that kind of stuff happens when you build a giant scoreboard, which I'm going to be honest, it probably needed a big scoreboard with how far away it is at that point. And that's where you have it. So you're right. Right. And that's, let's update. I would love to change a lot about this stadium, but that's the one thing that use it, use it. If you can, I, I hope they can. Um, it certainly sounds like, fundraising has come to a point where where they're starting to expand the circle beyond yeah. just the top five donors right and that's 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 the sign that hey this is this is happening right they are they are past the point of every new donor that comes in having a significant say in what the end result looks like <laughs> right which, which right. Is, is the point you want to be because once that happens that means that stuff has enough momentum that they can start getting significant money and they can start moving things forward. Um, you know, the, the, the one last thing, because there was someone who had, you know, said like, man, I hope they like close off the South and, you know, really yeah. utilize all that space and, you know, make it make it much more impressive that way. And like the one thing that I will say is like that that entrance from the hill and um, is is a key part of the university experience. It's not just like a football thing. Graduation. Yeah, yeah, having them walk down. Like, yeah, graduation is built around walking down the hill through the camp and aisle, down into the stadium and celebrating with your with your fellow Jayhawks. And like that is something that I I can guarantee the university as a whole will not put up with them messing with that ability. Like, yes, you might you might have a year where you can't do it because of renovations that are happening, but I I can pretty much guarantee they're gonna find a way to allow it to happen anyway, because I would hate to be in the class that you don't get to walk through the camp and aisle and down into the stadium because we decided to renovate the football stadium. <laughs> like, like right. I, I would hate to, I, I would feel gypped if that was me. And so like I knowing the tradition, knowing how deep ties a lot of these people have to the actual university itself and that university experience, I don't anticipate any kind of issues like that. And so, yeah, I don't think they mess with the Hill. I don't think they mess with that particular view. Um, maybe they end up, I mean, they've already done it somewhat with the scoreboard, but maybe they end up making it a little bit harder for people that are out on the hill to watch, actually watch the actions going on. But it's pretty hard right now because of that giant scoreboard. I just remember people that used to like sit up at the top of the hill and actually watch the game from there <laughs> without having to get in because there literally wasn't a scoreboard that very, that was very big to, to stop people from seeing the field. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, it's one of those things where, I mean, I think they're handling it right. I think they're doing everything they possibly can. It's something to be excited about. It's not, I saw all the jokes of the people. It's like, oh, they're finally getting around to updating the stadium and like lipstick on a pig. Like it's not going to do much good. It's like, no, 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 no. You keep the history, right. You keep the history, you update everything to make it, you know, world-class at this point. And, And again, you know, I think that gets thrown around a lot, but there is a lot of things that they can do to bring it up to being one of the better, college experiences it's not one of these mega 
you know, super giant, you're sitting up in, in those seats and you really can't even see the action on the field. It's not the same size as a pro football stadium where, you know, there's a lot of pro football stadiums where you can't actually see what's going on. So you're there to be in the, in the environment. I think this is going to have the best of both worlds. It's going to have an opportunity for you to be in a great environment, still be able to see what's happening and really enjoy yourself with some world-class amenities. And let's be honest, the bar is low for, for getting, yeah, getting very much so fans happy. They're in a really good spot to succeed. Um, and, and so I, I'm excited to see what they come up with. You know, I, I remember playing NCAA football growing up in Kirk Herbstreit when you play at KU would say like one of the most picturesque settings in all of college football. Like that was the intro for KU and, and hopefully someone else out there knows what I'm talking about, but, but just use what you have to your advantage. Uh, again, this, this is coming They're uh, They're redoing the touchdown club for this year and, Maybe my least important scoop of all time because <laughs> no one cares <laughs> about that. Uh, I think there that structure should be pretty different uh, come this fall. So that's a little scoopy hour. Yeah. Uh, well, you, you know what? Actually, kind of because that kind of came up at the end of what we were talking about on Saturday, and and like one of the big questions was, well, why would you waste the money now to do why? that? <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing you have to remember: the Touchdown Club is a standalone building at the bot, you know, at the end of the South End Zone, like you can pretty much do whatever you want to the rest of the entire stadium. And you could leave that thing alone. Just, you know, take a giant tarp and drape it over it. And none of the construction dust is going to mess with it. And it's, you know, pristine and good to go. Um, it is completely standalone. It, it definitely needs some work. There was some issues. I think last year with some of the people that were there, that having to deal with the sun, like beating down on them um, yep. with nowhere really to go. If they wanted to even have a chance to watch the game, like even people that are out in the stands can go like stand in the tunnel for a minute or go get concessions or something. All of that stuff was just out in the sun. So they had to do something with it. Um, you know, so I'm glad to see that they're making some renovations. It sounds like they're more extensive than I thought they would have to be, but that makes sense. If you're going to renovate the rest of the stadium, you want your touchdown club to be just as nice well, as the rest of the stadium is going to be. The stadium may not be for, this may not land for a couple of years. This is right. an ongoing project that if you do it at the existing structure has to happen in phases, unless you're playing somewhere else, which doesn't make sense for a number of yep. reasons. Um I was told it's a pretty major overhaul. Uh, covered seats. They're, they're, they're actually these cabanas that they're putting in with like, it, it looks like they're going to try to put in like couches and a, a big, big uh, four top tables and standing room only drink rails, stuff like that. I'm just throwing out uh, some, some things. And my guess is that uh, if they're doing it, the question is why are they wasting money? They probably know that the financials of it make sense that they can charge more. Uh, oh yeah. If you, if you put in a much more uh, impressive. Look, structure. I saw so, yeah, the, there, there'll be a lodge area. I saw yeah, the, I saw the prices example. of the booths last year. <laughs> I would imagine that those are probably going to go up. And while the prices were decent, um, you know, for what they did, like that was the big drawback. Why a lot of people that I know that could afford to do it, didn't want to do it was because they didn't want to be out in the sun the entire game long. Right. So like you fix a lot of those and you're going to have more people that are interested in them, which means you can charge a little bit more, uh, which means the financials will work out for you. So, uh, but you know, again, it's one of those things you make, you know, you're making adjustments now, you know, a renovation is coming. You don't want to get into a situation where after the renovations of the overall stadium are made, you immediately then have to update the touchdown club as well to be just as nice as the stadium. So take care of it now, get it updated while you have the possibility of doing it. That's another way as well. I think to build excitement about this, if you can see how big of an upgrade it's going to be for the touchdown club for them to make this smaller scale change, 
And then imagine what they were going to do that's going to be consistent with that all around the rest of the stadium. Just imagine the excitement of the fan base, the people that come every single week to that stadium are going to get, it's like, hey, we're going to have something not, probably not quite as nice as that, but something similar to this throughout the rest of all of our seating. So totally. I, yeah, that's exactly right. And, and even if they want to tear it down with a new stadium, like this isn't that complicated. You know, we're talking about cabanas, lodges, bars, like, right? That can come and go pretty quick. So make it nicer in the meantime, show off, Hey, we know what we're doing. Charge a little more, get people out of the sun. You, you have that space. So make it a good experience. Yep, and, for and sure. It's probably a pretty low lift, easy one for them. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate pit, joined by my brother, Jeremy J.N. Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, anyplace. Get at your boys. All right. Well, I think that's all the scoops we have related to the football stadium. So, Anything else you wanted to to chat about or anything, you know, you've you've also made uh, quite a, a stir over on Twitter with some Remy Martin takes that uh, we don't have to address here, especially since he's out with an actual injury completely right now. Interesting. That, so that he's not playing. Um, <laughs> just putting it out there. No, I was, I was going to give you the opportunity to talk about it if you really wanted to. But if, if yeah, you don't, no, there, there's two things that that we we can jump in. I'll, I'll talk Remy real quick. And then, and then NCAA IRP, if we're recapping the scoops. Um, and yes, that is me being silly and egotistical, but whatever. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, the Remy thing, like, is really strange to me. It's really, really strange. Uh, this, this rumor was popping up, percolating, that he, he told someone that he was done. He told a player that he was done. That's, I'm pretty sure what happened as I've, like, retrospected this. But what does that mean? Could that be taken right. out of context? <laughs> In like, what game of telephone does this take to get out? Um, pretty confusing to me. I said, there's this rumor out there that Remy's done because I'm pretty sure a player was spreading that. Then, which is not normally where I get my scoops. So I didn't say that that's what's happening. Right. I said, this rumor is out there. What I do know is that this has been tense with Bill Self uh, about getting him into the system. Now, I talked to his dad, and his dad gave me the whole, like, um, we love Bill Self. We knew this was – the NBA said, you're not going to be a volume shooter. You need to facilitate an offense at a high level. That's why they came to Kansas, was to be a, a defensive, facilitating point guard. Um, I still think it's been really tough. Self, after the St. John's game, basically said, like, we don't see eye to eye. He said that publicly. Like, we have a different basketball philosophy. Uh, the exhibition game, when he didn't start. Like, clearly, there's been some weird stuff. Yeah. Uh, the offense doesn't totally flow as well. And then the injury thing, uh, my understanding is, is, I think, around the West Virginia game, he didn't play in the team. He practiced before, so they hoped he was going to play. I'm, I'm guessing, I do not know, but I, I, I know that it was a surprise that he didn't play. I know Bill Self prides himself on playing through injury. I know right. when you hear him talk about his dad, it's what his dad taught him. He's on the record saying that. So you, you've got, 
I think it just a different styles of basketball. Uh, what's happening now, it sounds like there might be some swelling issues with the knee. Um, really strange report today about, about Remy getting bumped from the court storming at, at Texas. Uh, yeah, this came out Ugh. this afternoon. Yeah, I saw that about the Texas. There was a confusion with Texas security or something. I'm gonna, and I'm going to be honest. Uh, I don't really buy that. I think that's so strange and that for that not to get caught on camera. I don't know. Like, I just, the story is getting really weird as KU is now extending this injury out further and further. You look at Self's quotes. Self was pretty adamant. He's fine. No structural damage week to week after Oklahoma. I assume he's fine. There's been a tone change. Now he's hurt playing on a leg and a half. Did he come back too early? Maybe it's possible hurt it worse. Uh, either way, it's really strange. KU is probably best. They're better off going with Yesfu and, and going with what they have without him right now. Uh, I think it's really weird. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's one of those things at this point. It's clear that it's not going to be, you know. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Yeah, yeah. But no, <laughs> it's it's clear at this point that it's not going to be all sunshine and roses when he gets back. Like, they're going to have to work him back in. They're going to have to get this figured out. He's going to, like, he gives them another good option. Like, he gives them, he raises that ceiling as another option. If oh, he can come back sure. and get assimilated entirely. The problem has always been that for some reason, something just feels off. Whether that's been injury, whether that's been philosophy, whether that's been, you know, Bill Self sticking with his with his guys that have been in the system, you know, more than he probably should, and not incorporating like because you know he was the first to admit after yes we had the game against uh, Iowa State that like I haven't been playing him enough. Like I think there's definitely room for for multiple things to be true here, where Bill Self probably has not been managing the roster the you know the best way that he possibly could. But uh, there's probably been some other things kind of going on that makes him less inclined to potentially get players on the court than, you know, when when we think from looking from the outside that he, that he probably should. Um, but you're right. There's just a lot of weirdness surrounding all this. So I think Weird. it's good that they are able to perform the way they have overall um, without Remy if he comes back and is able to do the things that he needs to do to get himself to that next level of the NBA. That's going to be absolutely fantastic for Kansas. But at this point, I don't know that you can plan on him coming back. Um, you can't plan on the timetable for when he's coming back. Definitely not. I mean, I thought at this point that it was fairly likely he probably would come back for, uh, I believe it's the West Virginia game is that Saturday. or um, I think it's that that West Virginia game is the Saturday game after Oklahoma State. I thought maybe he would come back for that because then they have Kansas State, you know, the next game. And, like, you would try to work him back in at that point. But I'm not sure. I really don't know. Like, that's just my best guess based off of timelines and what we've heard and then, you know, the stuff coming out about him getting bumped again. What does that mean? Did he get injured again? Like, what's going on? Feels like he's not going to play. It feels like he's being set up for the hey, he may not come back this year. At least it's not the Legerald Vick situation where it's like he's he's he needs to go home and take care of some things, and we'll (laughs) we'll welcome him back if he comes back. But but who knows? Um, Like, like, I I have some pretty big questions here about all this, and one day I hope to find out. Yeah. Like yeah. what is really Look, going this on? is going to be like one of those tell all best selling books, like, you know, or like one of the chapters in the next, like, you know, uh, top hundred stories a KU fan needs to know. I actually have that book on my shelf somewhere. Um, like, you know, it's going to be like an anecdote or a, a chapter somewhere in one of these books that talks Jeez, about like yeah. behind the scenes stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, like if he's really hurt, then we're, we're dicks. I'm just telling you, sorry, I am, I won't put you <laughs> 
<laughs> but it's weird. The tone is weird. That's all. The story is weird. It's been weird the whole year. Yeah. And, and this is also weird. And look, your Twitter bio says it best. Bill Self knows a whole effing lot more than you he do. Does. Um, Don't argue with he that. knows a whole lot more than any of us do about the specifics of the situation, but the feeling of the situation, how it's coming across and the way that it looks to the outside. And I think that's a lot of what a lot of people forget is that, um, you know, just because Bill Self may be 100% correct doesn't mean that it's going to look that way to people that don't have the information. And so that's really what we're talking about here is that something doesn't smell right. Something doesn't look right the way you would expect it to if everything is going just fine. Right. right. And so who knows what's actually happening? Bill Self and Remy Martin are probably the only people that actually know what's going on. And, and I'm not going to get a clear answer. Th- right. This I'll tell you that. Yeah. And so, you know, we'll never know. It's going to be one of these things that we're all going to argue about on Twitter. It's going to be probably as fierce of a, of a debate as the whole should Tyshawn Taylor have dunked, um, you know, in the 2012 game against uh, Purdue. So um, look, we still have that argument to this day um, over (laughs) on, on the, the, the former rock chalk talk crew. So um, hopefully this one works out like that. one. Yeah. Where everything works out really well. And then we're (laughs) arguing about something that ultimately doesn't matter. Right. So, so so yeah all right final thoughts about irp oh yeah i'll just go quick uh scooby town said i said that uh the alternate resolution that ku is seeking appears to have been denied uh or, or that the ir there's been a lot of well the iarp requested it ku requested it i have seen different things written at different places i don't care it was a solution that they wanted to explore it didn't mean they would get it. Right. It sounds so the, to me like it is a solution of an agreement of penalties, a settlement, if you will. And if they were to accept it, that'd be great. I was told uh, the NCAA said it wasn't in the bylaws to do that, which is really strange to me as well. Right. This is an independent process. I mean, the whole, yeah. No, it's one of those things. Um, this whole thing hasn't really smelt right ever since, you know, the way that the NCAA wanted to go after the, you know, results from the FBI probe. Like you can, you can, we, we could talk about that for hours, honestly. Um, I actually did a deep dive and all that stuff when it came out and convinced myself that, Hey, this should be over in like a month because there's nothing here. And then of course, NCAA, NCAA. Um, but no, it's one of those things where the, the whole, I, I think everybody can agree that the, the execution of the IRP process while in a vacuum sounds like a good idea. Like you're right. Like everybody has problems with the, with the NCAA enforcement model. So let's set up something that theoretically should move faster, should be able to take the facts of the case and not have potential biases. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Like that, that was the goal. That was the pipe, the the high in the sky, you know, dream of of how it was going to work. But what we've come to find out is like with anything else in the NCAA, nobody actually knows how it's going to work until the NCAA screws it up. Um, so, you know, everything basically, blames, well, blames I mean, the independent counsel, which I don't understand. Right well, now. so, so really what it's come down to from what I've heard, cause I don't have a, like scoops or a whole bunch of stuff like that. Um, like I haven't talked to anybody who's actually involved, but from what I've been hearing from some people that are supposed to be in the know about this stuff is that essentially the the independent counsel wanted to go in and re-examine everything. Yeah. Uh, like they wanted to come up, right. They wanted to look at the facts of the case. They wanted to get their own evidence. They wanted to clear, clarify questions that they had about the infor- like the evidence that they were provided and essentially relitigate everything, which if you're going to have a truly independent 
process, they have to be able to do that. The problem was this was being touted as a way to expedite cases to get to resolutions quicker because right. the NCAA gathered all the information. They just needed somebody else to weigh it objectively. Of course, what we, what anybody who spends any time with lawyers or any time with people trying to make an argument is the evidence that you provide you know, gets you to that conclusion. If you don't get all the evidence, if you bias the evidence that goes into the process, you're not going to come to something that people can agree upon. And that's where like the independent, you know, counsel really realized pretty quickly that unless we are allowed to follow the evidence and right. collect evidence that we think we need, we're not going to be independent. We're just going to be rubber stamping what, you know, they wanted to do anyway. And the feeling that I got was that a lot of the members of that panel didn't they felt like like they were being set up to take the fall of the take the brunt of the blame for just rubber stamping what the NCAA wanted yes. to do. I mean, that that's really interesting. And if they're going to go in and take that look, the other thing is that like, let's be honest here, the NCAA and its member institutions, KU who I've dealt with uh, in particular on, on certain like things like FOIA, KU takes a long time sometime. Yeah. Uh, and, and so my guess is that the slowness of the investigation, they're going to, would drag it on. It sounds like if they want to explore an alternate resolution, then, then maybe there is some, some at least fact finding that they're getting closer to, but no, I, I think you nailed it. Uh, I did hear that there was an NCAA meeting uh, the week of the Kentucky, uh, Kentucky week. I reported this as well. Uh, or I said, I heard this uh, that, that, right. They went to Indianapolis. I know some KU officials went to Indianapolis, or I've been told that, uh, or I heard that, in that they uh, they were very unhappy with whatever happened. So it doesn't yeah. it doesn't sound good. My, you know, you can put two and two together with them not getting the resolution they wanted, or or an alternate resolution explored. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think ultimately what it comes down to is that what we found out is anything related to the NCAA takes forever. It goes at a glacial pace, no matter how they try to set it up. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah. So I, I have no idea when it's going to get resolved. I, I mean, honestly, the way that this is going, it could be another two or three years <laughs> because if they were trying to settle it, typically you settle it because either you don't like the outcome, like neither side likes the outcome that's likely, which it sounds to me like, you know, the IRP doesn't really care what the outcome is. They want to get, you know, the, the facts right. So either KU doesn't like what was going to happen or it's taking way too long and, and nobody wants to deal with the slog that's coming. And that Pretty sounded like mud. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, the people involved are, uh, it seems like, uh, Goff, Goff sent out this marketing email that, that he did mention that, that in 2022, they'll make, what do you say? Like some substantial progress or something like that. Uh, <laughs> substantial progress toward a resolution in the investigation. They're trying. Um, awesome. So, so hopefully this summer, that, that's my that's my hope. Uh, there's not a hearing. There's a hope that we can get some findings and solutions this summer. Well, I think we'll leave it there. Um, Mike, look, I know really the only thing you have is your your hearings that you do over on Twitter. So where can oh, where God. can people find those? It at M underscore Vernon. That's V is in Victor E R N L A. M Vernon on Twitter. Uh, and and look, have, guys, his, right. His hearings are not like plugging a website or doing anything like that. He literally does this because he cares about Kansas. He's hearing some interesting things, likes to share that knowledge with people. So, look, you may not like the message, but it's not right. it's not your quote unquote clickbait because there's nothing to click on other than his Twitter account. And let me tell you. 
You don't unless, have to unless you're unless you're sending him tips, which I don't believe are turned on. He's not making any money off of sharing information with you on Twitter. None. So. None. I'm wasting my time. <laughs> but I love it. I love it. It's not I, a waste I, I of time if you thoroughly enjoy it. <laughs> I believe in a, I love it. I believe in accountability in an informed fan base is a better one. That's yep. my soapbox. Agreed. All right. Well, that is going to do it for us tonight. We went a little bit longer than I thought we would. But hey, you know what? When That's you're talking right. scoops, no, no. When, when you're talking scoops, it's well worth it. So, all right. Uh, if you guys haven't already, please do go out wherever you get your, wherever you get your podcasts. There's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe. Get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments, would absolutely love that. You can actually do that now, not just on Apple Podcasts, but also on Spotify. It does help to get the podcast out there so more people can hear what we're doing here. We can bring you guys even better coverage. But, um, you know, we uh, uh, if you have a question, comment, suggestion, people you want me to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at rockchalkpod. Uh, we are part of the 1012 network covering all the teams in the Big 12. I, I will repeat forever. If you want to know what's, how the Big 12 is going to affect the Jayhawks, you need to know what's happening in the Big 12. So if you follow the podcast they have over there, go to 1012 network on Twitter. You can catch all the great podcasts they have covering all the teams in the Big 12 conference. Um, we are part of the anchor platform. So you can leave us a voicemail, get your voice on the show. I'm begging you guys, please. I want to get some of your voices here on the show. So leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm slash rock dash talk dash podcast slash message. And I promise we'll get you on the show here. Make sure you do visit our sponsor, uh, Homefield Apparel. Promo code CHOCK12 gets you 15% off your entire first order. But that's going to do it for us here today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Mike, thanks again for joining me. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Hey there, 1012 Network listeners. This is Dustin from the Scott Nolman Podcast, the original Houston Cougar athletics podcast, and the latest member of the 1012 Network. Uh, my co-host, Sam, do you want to tell the fine folks what the Scott Nolman Podcast is all about? I sure do. We come on here at least once a week and we talk all things going on in the world of Houston Cougar sports. Plus, we usually find time for some of what's going on in our future conference, our current conference, and really the college sports world at large. We're not just a football, men's basketball podcast. We really pride ourselves here on the fact that every single team that wears the Scarlet and Albino in Houston and their jerseys gets time on our show. Plus, from time to time, we bring on some guests ranging from opposing team experts to even former Olympic great Carl Lewis. So be sure to search the Scott and Holman podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, we spell podcast P-A-W-D cast because we are oh so funny like that. Sports Social Podcast Network.